I'm Arie Schwartz, along with Eli Horowitz, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W. Using X's and O's, along with key stats, we bring honest and critical analysis. Everybody, put down whatever you're doing, take a seat, listen up. This episode, we got an exciting topic. It's our 2018 season preview, and equally exciting, or more exciting, is our guest, and hopefully after this show, she'll be coming on a lot more, so we won't even call her a guest. Rachel Galligan, one of our newest members on the Insider staff. Want to say hi to the people. Hi, everybody. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to be here with these guys. Let's talk about some stuff. Let's do it. Let's do it. Eli, do you want to break down how we're going to be going through the teams? Because we could spend like 24 hours going into this. So how are we going to, how are we going to break it off? Um, well, first of all, hi, hi everyone, and um, very excited about all the the new staff um, we brought in. And do, do we want to just quickly run through our, our new personnel uh, for our listeners? Yeah, you want to do that? It's a great idea. Yeah, we're really pumped. We have six beat reporters covering the twelve teams. Rachel is here on the podcast. We'll be covering the Sun and the Lynx. Jasmine Brown, we're bringing in from DC. We'll cover the Mystics and the Aces. Brady Klopper's right here in L.A. He'll cover the Sparks as well, the Sky. We got Pat Ralph out of New York who will cover the Liberty and the Mercury. Also have Jamila Johnson who lives in Atlanta. She'll cover the Dream as well as the Storm. And then we brought in today Dorothy Gentry who lives in Dallas who will cover the Wings as well as the Fever. And we also have a couple of freelancers who will be on the ground in some of those other cities. So we'll have live coverage out of all 12 cities. And then we're pumped to have three kind of staff writers, Nicholas Letourneau, who's already done some great X's and O stuff for us on Elena Coates and Kelsey Plum, uh, Emma Leiden, who will cover national topics. And then thrilled to bring in Kayla McMorris, who played D1 basketball at Wisconsin, just graduated and just went up this year against Kelsey Mitchell and a lot of the players, a lot of the rookies in the W, she's actually played against directly and will bring, bring that perspective. So we're thrilled to basically go from two people to 12 in a matter of a couple of days. Yeah, it's, I mean, say it's exciting is a, is a ridiculous understatement. Um, there's going to be a lot of really cool, really new stuff that we haven't really seen when it comes to coverage of the W that we're really excited to pump out. So so get ready for that. But more focused on this episode. This episode, we're going to be going through each team. And going through each team, we're going to set the timer to five minutes. And when you hear this, you know that we've hit the five-minute mark and we got to move on to the next team. We're going to be running down all of them. And I know Eli's pretty excited to get this started. Eli, what team are we doing first? We are doing... The Connecticut Sun, but I w- I did forget Maurice Brooks, our managing editor. How could I forget? This guy worked at ESPN for eight years and NBA.com. So we have a world-class editor um, doing our work. So just had to get that in. But you're right. Let's jump right in. We are starting with the Connecticut Sun. The Sun finished fourth place in the WNBA last season, lost their one-and-done game against the Phoenix Mercury, and let's go. Let's start that timer. Timer is going now. Rachel, what do you think the strength for Connecticut Sun is? 
their head coach, <laughs> if you want my opinion. Um, I might be a little bit biased. I, I, I just adore Kurt Miller. I think he's doing an amazing job. And I, I think it's been evident uh, these last couple of years how you know, the sun are really on the rise. Um, you, you've got just some pieces there uh, that, are, that are exciting to see. Um, you know, some ones that, you know, they're still waiting to come back. But I think Kurt Miller has taken a team that, you know, wasn't really making a ton of noise a few years ago. And just these last two years, um, last year in particular, really that breakout year. And in my mind, I think this is a team that um, is kind of going into that upper tier, um, that top probably, you know, four teams um, and could be a potential contender this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd say that, you know, if we're talking about ceilings uh, for this team, that's definitely up there, right? They were, they've really made a big push. To me, the best aspect of this team, not to take any away th- anything away from Kurt, he's doing great stuff. Uh, listen to a little plug. Our top five coaches currently in the league last episode, you'll see I got Kurt on that list. Um, to me, it's the youth and poise of this team. They run some fastball, but they're a very flexible team. I mean, positionless basketball gets thrown around a lot, but when you have the likes of, of, of John Quell Jones up there, all right, and then you got Jasmine Thomas and Courtney Williams, I mean, and then that's not even talking about their bench. I mean, this team is so deep, and there's, there's lots of teams that people are talking about, oh, this team's deep, this team's deep. This team is deep, and they've showed that they are about the team structure, not about my name and, and my name only. Um, Eli, what about you? What do you think is the weakness of this team? Um, I don't think uh, – I would say if they had two – I guess two things that I, – I don't know if I'd call them a weakness in the regular season, but if I were saying things that might hold them back from winning a title, and, and, and keep in mind that means I think they have a chance to win a title. I completely agree with both you and Rachel. But I would say the things to watch are – one, I, I don't know if they have a go-to scorer. I don't know if they have someone who can, you know, I don't know if they have a wing scorer who can just get her own shot um, late in the clock. Now, in the regular season, that doesn't matter because they move the ball, they cut really well, they play inside out. They don't need to have ISO ball. But I think in a playoff game, you know, when there's two minutes left in the game and they're down by three, who, who on their team is going to be able to make plays when, when a great defense takes away their initial action. That's something I might be worried about. Um, the second thing, and I'm curious your guys' take, is just I think working back Shanae into their big rotation with John Quell Jones, Alyssa Thomas, and Morgan Tuck, I mean, on one hand, yes, they do have a lot of threats there, but I think it's going to be easier said than done to figure out those rotation minutes. Yeah. Rachel, I'm curious your thoughts on this. How do you think Kurt's going to handle that? Well, I think that there's a lot of different rotations that can you know, potentially take place there. Um, a, a lot of talent, like you said, they're so deep, um, especially in you know, that position in particular. Um, I'm curious myself as to how that's going to work. But what I do know is um, Kurt being such an X's and O's guy and how well he knows the game, I, I genuinely believe that you know, it might be – on a game-to-game basis. Um, it might be certain matchups. Um, I think they're probably wondering the same thing themselves, kind of going through this preseason and early on into the season, kind of how those minutes are going to pan out. I think that's kind of the biggest question mark with this team. 
So I'm curious both of your takes on this actually, being on the other side, you know, holding the clipboard, how do you decide? To me, I'm very much in the camp of switching up the starting five, you know, dependent on who your matchup is. What are your thoughts on, on having a set starting five all season long versus kind of being fluid with it? Honestly, I think that depends on the year. I don't think you can just put a blanket that just from my perspective as a coach and from my experiences, I don't know that that's necessarily a decision that um, each coach goes into just their career knowing. Um, I, I feel like just dependent on the season because, you know, we're seeing now with just so many changes in the game and, and the style of which the game's being played um, that, that being able to adjust lineups and um, bring in, Different lineups, depending on who you're playing, is becoming a little bit more prominent. Um, but for me, I don't know. I think it just depends on the year. And I think if you get a five that's really gelling and and they're really rolling um, and, and good things are happening, I'm a firm believer in not really mixing that up. Um, and then, you know, maybe if you're hitting some kind of some tough times or, um, you know, feeling like, me, well, let's, let's try some different lineups. You've got a team that's bought into that and certainly okay with that. Uh, but I just think it depends on the year. It depends – um, on how the season is going. Eli. I, th- I mean, I agree with that. I think at the end of the day, I mean, just I'm using the example I saw today that was NBA, but the Celtics started Marcus Morris today against the Cavs because they feel he's a better matchup against LeBron. And he hadn't started in any of the first two rounds of the playoffs. And I, I think Kurt is that type of coach to do whatever's best um, to help the team win. You know, the fact that he would, you know, be willing to bring Shanae off the bench, I think that, you know, I'll just end by saying that, or I guess that's time, but I'll just end by saying the fact that they might even bring Shanae off the bench um, or John Quell or whatever it might be shows that that team's about winning games and not about politics um, or just trying to appease a certain star. Yeah. All right, Eli, who are we doing next? Um, so yeah, we're going through the East. Yeah, we're going through the East first. So, and this, uh, next we got the Washington Mystics. Oh wait, did we say our ceiling and floor for them quickly? All right, floor, I think, uh, possibility of them dropping off. And I mean, to me, floor is middle of the pack playoffs. Ceiling is, uh, competing for the championship in a finals, uh, four games. Don't know if they win or lose. I agree with that. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I agree. Lock for the playoffs and their ceiling, I think, is making the finals. All, All right, right let's move on. Washington, Mystic. Yeah. All right, Eli, I'm going to put it on you for this one. What do you think their strength is? Well, I think the big storyline here, and then I'll kick it to you guys, is that obviously Emma Mieseman is missing the season to focus on her overseas commitments. Now, last year... They were 8-3 and three in games without Mieseman. And now they had um, Taylor Hill was healthy for those games, and she's a big part of their guard rotation. But what Mike Tebow even told me in interviews was that, you know, that allows Deladon to play the four and Crystal Thomas to play the five. And that combination did wonders for them because Deladon can stretch the floor and Thomas can kind of rebound and bang inside. And so... You know, I think that's kind of the big storyline. Like, I'll kick it to you. Do you think this team could be even better without Misamin and actually 
have a chance to go to the finals. Um, and just to clarify, last year they lost in the semifinals. Um, or do you think the loss of Misaman will ultimately, over a course of 34 games, be you know detrimental to their success? Uh, Rachel, I'm going to give my take real quick because mine's kind of cut and dry, and then I'm curious yours. For me, their ceiling for this year is the finals again. Or, I mean, the semifinals again. All right, and what I say by that is they can move to to make it you know somewhat of a competition, not losing 3-0. But also, I think this team overall, record wise, is going to be better. They're going to be a better seed going into the playoffs. That's just me. I think overall they're going to be able to kind of ID as EDD's team this year. Uh, and as their bottom dropout, I mean, there's always the possibility that I'm completely wrong and they don't make the playoffs. See, for me, Washington is a really fascinating team for me. I really feel like this could be their kind of breakout year. One of their great, one of their greatest years. Um, I do believe that it is possible to um, perform even better without me, Simon. Um, and here's why, because I, I, again, like, as you kind of alluded to with Deladon and Crystal Thomas working so well together, um, that that's kind of how it's going to be again this year. And I think the biggest concern for me would be health issues and, making sure everyone's staying healthy, um, everyone's on the floor, and, and they're definitely taking care of themselves that way. I think that could be one of the biggest uh, worries that I would have. But Crystal Thomas had a breakout year last year, and I think she's got the potential to have an even better year. I mean, she, she's a player who's been in the league for a long time. You know, she's, she's knowledgeable. She's a, she's a leader. And I think you know, she's playing with confidence right now after what she did last year and then even this past year in Turkey. So between her and Deladon – I think that's a great lineup. I think they play well together. And I, I, in my opinion, I think it, they might be better without me, Simon. Eli, hop in here. What are your thoughts on their ceiling? In, or I guess what's their weakness then? Well, they had an interesting draft pick with um, Atkins at seven that I think was probably the biggest surprise of the first round. Um I, I don't think they necessarily have a clear weakness because they have Thomas at the five, Deladon at the four, Ruffin Pratt I think is a really solid three and D type of player. Um, obviously Tolliver and Taylor Hill. Um, and I, so I think it is it. And again, not to sound too much of a copycat, I just think it is health. Um, you know, they like like Rachel said, they just this team has never had their full complement of players from a training camp through a playoffs. And I think for Tebow, that's probably been tough. It seems like last year they changed their identity multiple times throughout the season because they were juggling so many different combinations. I think, um, you know, Hill's status is big, and I don't think we've really had any official word on it. You know, for as far as I know, she's not going to be able to play right away, and um, she's a big part of what they do. And obviously, like, you know, they signed Monique Curry, but I think that's asking a lot to put all that kind of two-guard scoring load on on Curry. Um, also, they, they have a lot of young players that kind of showed signs last year. You know, Shatori Walker, Kimbro, Natasha Cloud, you know. But I think none of those are guarantees. So I think how well they're, you know, they need one of those, they need one of their bench pieces that showed signs to kind of take a big step this year, I think, to really do damage in the playoffs. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snap to that one. because, And that's what they're kind of missing, right? They got Tolliver, so they have that other firepower. 
and and they have other elements. And you know, you know, Mo Curry can can step in for a game here or two there, but you can't necessarily. She's not like in her prime anymore. You can't expect her to be dropping it like she used to. I, I just don't think. I mean, who do you think though is most likely to do that, Rachel? Which one of these players? For me, I think it's Cloud. That's who I was going to go with. Yeah, I mean, that, like I said, if she can kind of be that six starter or even start games, you know, when when um, you know within when people are out, if she can kind of be a six starter, then I think this is a team that, like you said, could push in the playoffs. All, All right, right, moving right. on. Um, next we, we have next we have Atlanta, and um, I know you two are both very high on Atlanta. Um, I am as well. So I want to like I want to fra- like kind of kick this um, to Rachel to start and kind of say, obviously the team has a ton of talent. They have Angel McCautry coming back. They have Renee Montgomery and Jessica Breland, who are probably the two biggest free agency signings. There's no doubt, I think, that they have the talent to be a really good team. Mike, I'm curious um, to you, Rachel, from a coaching perspective, you know, I think people are really high on Nikki Collin and all this, but, I mean, is it going to be that easy to just put all these pieces together in year one? Oh, there's no way. And that's just coaching in general. And that's just kind of how I believe. I think it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time for the entire team in general to kind of get used to the system in place, the things that are being um, preached every single day um, to buy into that system and just get everybody on the same page. Uh, There's no doubt that Nikki Collin is capable of doing that. I just believe it's going to take some time. And I think we'll see through the course of the season probably closer to the middle of the season, you know, the dream starting to kind of click more on, on full cylinder, if you will. Uh, but, but no, I mean, it, it's extremely difficult. This is, you, you got a load of talent, probably, you know, one of the deepest teams in terms of just names and talent and, and people coming back and, you know, definitely exciting. It's just trying to manage that as a huge undertaking, but it's exciting too, because I think the ceiling is very high and this could be a team that towards the end of the season, if they can make it into the playoffs, could go on a run. For sure. Now, oh, one thing that. is, I one thing is last there. year, last year they were twenty nine. They shot twenty nine percent from three, and they were dead last in the WNBA in three point percentage. And I think that really held them back. Um, their offensive rating overall was tenth. So, Aria, they brought in Renee Montgomery, who's a great shooter. Is that enough to kind of solve their league worst shooting last year? To, to me, no. It's as it, simple as that. You know, it, it's going to be a mindset. It's going to be a confidence thing, and it's going to be a play. You know, somebody stepping up on the team. Uh, you know, adding one player who's a great shooter is not going to turn you from from last to best. Okay, that's just that's just plain old logic in my book. The thing that I will say though is you have young players who are getting more confident in their shot. But we did see in some preseason games, they're still struggling to get shots off. So to me, the questions aren't answered. And, you know, for the other teams we've been doing, we've been going through and doing what's their ceiling and what's their floor. For them, it's so hard to do that because kind of like you said, midway through the season, we might see them hit a stride. And then, you know, if they make it to the playoffs, they could push through and have a crazy run. Or very easily, 
you know, the rigors and all the issues of having all this amazing talent might be too much for a first year coach. Not that it doesn't mean that, you know, two years down the road, this team will be in the playoff hunt and making that run. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, another another thing here is how well will McCautry be able to, you know, integrate back into the team? I mean, does anyone have some insight on that? I think it's just, it's kind of, obviously the WNBA is very different from the NBA where players do miss entire seasons because a lot of times they might make more money abroad um, and for other various reasons. But does anyone ha- have context on how hard that is to kind of reintegrate? Rachel, any thoughts? I, I, th- I think with McCautry, there's no doubt that she's a veteran. She's been in the league. She, she knows exactly what she's doing. You know, from everything I've heard, she's a, she's a great teammate and bought into everything. And, um, I, I, you know, I think it's it, – with her, it, it, I don't worry about that as much because it is kind of her team. Um, she's the face of the Atlanta dream, uh, if you will, at least the last few years, um, minus last year. But she is such a talent, so athletic, so talented. There's so many things she can do. I think just getting her back is just a massive shot in the arm for the dream. And I think she, just her in general, um, from a shooting standpoint, I kind of wanted to go back to that for a second. Um, I'm not sure what she was shooting a year before, uh, before she left, but you know, with McCautry being able to create for herself, being able to shoot it, be able to get it to the rim, be able to kick out. I think McCautry just from a shooting standpoint makes them a little bit better too, not just from her own skill set, but being able to create for others and help them get just better looks instead of maybe contested threes. Now we're talking about open looks, which is now going to be, a higher percentage shot. Uh, awesome stuff. I will say, I'm looking at it right now. She was shooting 43% field goal um, and 19.5 points a game last season she was around. So that will be, you know, a nice little addition. Um, oh, wait. And, yeah. I mean, she her, her stat line is is an all-star. That's why she's an all-star. Um, let's move on to the next team, Eli. Yeah. And, I mean, I'll just, I'll just end by saying, you know, I think – I forgot, but Lasia Clarendon shooting looms large. She shot 17% from three last year. Just uh, really struggled from the floor after shooting really well the year before. So I think that's a huge factor. But timer's the timer. Um, moving on, so we have three more teams in the East. And I think, you know, we all are kind of agreement that Washington, Connecticut, and Atlanta have the ceilings to, to be playoff teams with, with some upside. Now we get to some more interesting teams in, in the East. Um, New York Liberty, they were 22-12 and 12 last year, and they ended last year regular season on a 10-game win streak and actually finished third in the entire league in terms of record kind of because of that win streak. Um, but they lost a home playoff game in, in the second round, but it was their first game. They just got blown out by the Mystics. Christy Tolliver made, like, was it eight threes at least? Um, nine, nine threes. Um, yeah, crazy. And, and I think for the third straight year after finishing first in the East, they flamed out and now they really didn't do much roster wise to change it up. They do obviously have Katie Smith coming in, promoted to head coach, but she was an assistant there a long time. So really not a lot of huge changes. Um, my question is, I look at the league this year and I look at what some of the teams did to upgrade and some of the drafts and I really think 
the Liberty might be fighting just to make the playoffs. Uh, Rachel, what's your take? Do you, th- do you see them once again winning the East, or do you think it's going to be a lot more difficult this season? I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them this year. Um, and it's kind of going back to kind of what you are saying. I, I, I take that back. I'm a little bit torn on kind of how I feel about the Liberty because they've shown how talented they can be. They've shown, you know, with Tina Charles inside, being able to just throw it to her and go to work. And you've got some great players around her, you know, and Bria Hartley. And even with the signing of Marissa Coleman, I love that pickup because I think it adds another dimension to them and, and a veteran who has really played very well in these preseason games after being waived by the fever. So this is a really hard one for me. And I I could see them doing better (laughs) and I could see them dropping off. Um, I I think it's a big question mark. And I do, I worry about kind of who they brought in and the roster changes that they made. I think offensively they're going to have to do, do a few different things um, as, as, as opposed to what they were doing before with Lambeer uh, being able to get some different looks um, and as opposed to just kind of throwing it inside every single time. I think that's going to be key to it. But, you know, for me, I, I really struggle with that one. Um, and honest, honestly, I, I don't know. I really don't know. No, that and that. Yeah, they're, they're really interesting because answer me this. You know, they brought in uh, another veteran, but I kind of look at this roster and it's something Eli kind of preaches all the time. Um, Give a young player a chance. To me, yeah, I know they have a couple young players, but to me, I kind of look at them and they have a vet-savvy mm-hmm. team that just isn't as decorated as some of the other vet-savvy teams. Um, so for me, I would have liked to see them try and go a little bit younger. No no knocks against Marissa Coleman, but I also think you know it will be an improvement as far as coaching style. Uh, they're going to get a little bit of a new wave coaching with Katie. Well, one thing with them is they were eighth. You know, last year they were... Um, third in defensive rating and first in rebounding, and that's Bill Lambeer has always brought that, but they were eighth in offensive rating. And I think that's just what's holding them back, as Rachel, I think both of you alluded to, as great as Tina Charles is when your entire offense is kind of dumped the ball into her and either hope she scores or gets a double team for a kickout, they didn't really have players that could consistently break people off the dribble to create other types of offense. Um, I know... Brittany Boyd was injured last year, and people kind of would always argue she's the one who can do that. Um, but I, for me, that's kind of when I watch them play, they they lack a lot. They lack dribble penetration. They expect to kind of go through Charles and draw double teams and get open shots that way. And I just kind of feel like teams are, especially in the playoffs, are getting you know they're not going to let Charles beat them. And I just don't know if they have enough shot creation elsewhere on the roster. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge issue for them, and it's been a huge issue that teams are kind of able to clamp down on, on Tina Charles. She gets a little frustrated, and, you know, it's it's kind of like who's going to step up. Uh, Rachel, if you had to peg one player, you know, forgetting about Tina Charles as the most important to the success of this team in 2018, who do you think you're looking at? I was actually just thinking about this as you guys were talking, and I think it's Bria Hartley. And I think there's been some talks and people talking about her play just this previous winter and the job she's doing, and and she's just on fire. And if she can kind of bring that 
energy back to the States and, and kind of roll that over to the Liberty. She, she had kind of mentioned somewhere along the way last couple months about being prepared for a breakout season. And if Bria Hartley can step up, I mean, last year she averaged, you know, close to eight points a game. If she can get that thing, you know, where she kind of feels some ownership with this team in, in terms of being able to have the ball in her hands and be a little bit more aggressive looking to score. I, I mean, if, if she can kind of get it going more offensively, for me, that's kind of my X factor. Uh, the combination of her and, and Charles, you know, I think could, could take this thing to the next level. Eli, what do you think the floor is for this team? What would you say? What do you think the floor is for this team? I have them missing the playoffs and finishing in ninth place. Uh, it may be a little controversial, but at the end of the day, eight, eight of the 12 teams make the playoffs. You have to pick four that won't. I, I believe them and Seattle will be fighting for that last spot. I could see it going either way. Um, but look, we just went through talking about Connecticut, Washington, and Atlanta, who I think all have higher ceilings. So I think if we're being honest, New York is the, the one of those out of the four teams we've talked about so far. I think New York is the one that is most likely to miss the playoffs. All right, moving on to the next team. Who we got? Um, next, we have the Indiana Fever. They finished 9-25 and last season, ended the regular season on an eight-game losing streak. Uh, their offensive rating was 11th last season, and their defense – and I should have been doing this for all the teams. We'll, we can circle back. And their defensive rating um, – their defensive rating was 12th. So 11th in offense, 12th in defense, and finished 9-25. and 25. Wow. Okay. How do you want to start with this one? To me, I think that – well, because to me, I think like something that's getting overlooked, and we've harped on this a little bit, is what Pokey Chapman's been doing and giving the props to her for making some tough decisions that are kind of investing in some youth to move forward. Um they had a good, nice draft day. I know, you know, we weren't necessarily like so won over at the morning after. Um, Rachel, what are your thoughts of, of the outlook of this team? Obviously, I don't think anybody's considering them a championship contender in the current league. But Rachel, where would you put this team as far as a ceiling? I, 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 I like the moves that Pokey Chapman has made. I think they're gonna they're gonna have moments where they show. Um, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. I think they're going to have to really just try to outscore teams uh, defensively. I, I think they'll struggle in certain areas. You know, they're young. I mean, this is an extremely young roster, and with youth, is going to come a ton of. It's going to be a complete roller coaster. So I, I don't have the highest ceiling for them. Um, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I do think this is the beginning of an era uh, with some core players, some some really talented rookies that people are excited about. Um, to get a solid year under their belt and continue to grow as a, as a organization. And, and it really is going to be kind of the foundation for them to build on it moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Eli, do you think that this team got the players that, you know, through a draft next year can then be that much closer? Or do you feel that, you know, it's it, we're, there's going to be a lot of questions that need to be answered this season versus, you know, you feel confidence in the, in the direction they're moving right now. Um, I, I, we've been, I've been complimentary of Pogi's moves as well. I like that they traded, um, um, you know, 
Brianne January to Phoenix to get January. that pick. I think that was a very tough move. A lot of teams wouldn't have done that because how much January means to the franchise. They waive Coleman. These are not easy moves to make. And so I respect Pokey Chapman for saying, hey, like we're rebuilding and we're going to invest in youth. So I like that. I think their draft, hey, I mean, I wasn't the hugest fan, but at the end of the day, if you get Kelsey Mitchell, uh, Vivians, and Mavunga, that's a pretty good haul. And Mavunga's looked really good in the preseason. Um, I think ultimately, like, their future is in the hands of Kelsey Mitchell. I mean, if she is the 25 points a game, lightning quick scorer who can blow by anybody and develop a bit more of a passing game, then, you know, this team will slowly, year by year, rise up into the playoffs. If Kelsey Mitchell isn't as advertised, then, I mean, this team is really far away from contention. And, I, you know, I think that's probably pretty well agreed across. I mean, people might agree or disagree on what they think of Kelsey Mitchell, but I think everyone could probably agree that the team is kind of, the, the keys are in her hands, right? And um, I think this team will go as far as Kelsey Mitchell ultimately can take them. And I'm willing to give her more than a year or two before I kind of judge um, what that ceiling is. But, I mean, let's be real. This team is rebuilding. Yep. Yeah, but but something that I'm excited for is is Erica Wheeler. You know, she's she's really been someone that I've had my eye on. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on her? Do you think that she could be someone who could also step up? I know we're talking about like a lot of influx of new players coming in, but they do have some people that they can build around. I like Wheeler's offensive game, um, but I agree with Rachel. Like, I'm worried about how this team is going to get stops with the personnel that they have. I think for, for me guys, yeah. I, I'm a little bit more excited. I kind of want to put a plug in here for Mavunga. Um, I think this is someone that we haven't really spent a ton of time talking about there. I mean, wondering was she even going to potentially make the roster? I had a chance to go to the fever training camp, uh, maybe a little over a week and a half ago and sit down with Pokey Chapman and, she, I mean, it was just an absolute no-brainer. She was completely blown away by the performance of Mavanga and the things she was doing. And as I was watching her in, in training camp, and, and this was, you know, middle of the first week of camp, you know, she looked like a veteran out there. She was communicating. You know, she, she was getting after it. I mean, th- this kid, she, she, she was just – she looked like a true professional who'd been in the league for years. And so I think if there's someone else outside of Kelsey Mitchell and Vivians who, you know, brings – it is. It's Mavunga. And, and I think she has the potential to have an even better WNBA career than she did in college. And that's a bold statement. I, full, I fully understand that there's a lot of people that will probably disagree with that. Uh, but just from what I saw in those few days, I, I think that she's got a chance to be pretty exciting and, and bring a lot of scoring, rebounding, uh, just kind of an inside presence that they can build on. I'm loving that. I'm loving the insight from training camp. Thanks for sharing that with us. I want to jump on the Mavunga bandwagon myself and admit I I think I was wrong. I was a little bit critical on draft night. I thought they should have went with Billings. I thought Billings has a higher ceiling than Mavunga. But just seeing some of the highlights and, you know, talking with Rachel and, I mean, the thing is Mavunga does a couple things really well as as, as far as defense and rebounding. And so I think I agree. I, I, I'm going to admit I was wrong in my criticism on that pick. I think they, they made that right call because at the end of the day, Billings has a high ceiling, but we don't know what she could do really well in the WNBA. I think Mavunga 
has some skill sets that at least defensively and on the glass, she can contribute right away. Are you, Eli, are you telling me that uh, you're hopping on the Mavunga hype train? I'm not going to call it a hype train, but you know me, as much as I have strong opinions and, and have strong takes, I'm also someone who's willing to admit when I think I might be wrong. And I think my, my first instinct of saying that was a huge mistake with Billings on, on the board, I think I, I might you know, be wrong on that one. All right. I like it. Eli, next team. Um, next up, we have the Chicago Sky to round out the East. They finished 12-22 and 22 this season, uh, or this past season. And, you know, they actually were, like, still in playoff contention with four games left, um, but lost their last four games. Um, Second-year head coach in Amber Stocks, um, adding Diamond to Shields, uh, adding Gabby Williams, adding Elena Coates. So there's essentially bringing in kind of three top four picks here. Um, I don't know. I'll kick this right to Rachel because I, I know you, you had some thoughts or spent some time there. Um, you know, I think Indiana is like clearly in a rebuild. And I think there are some people around the league who feel like Chicago can make the playoffs this year. Where do you kind of – and I know it's not it's not black and white, but do you kind of view them more as a team still rebuilding, or do you see this team that could actually compete this year? I see them still rebuilding. I think they're probably a year ahead of Indiana in terms of in the rebuilding phases, which is obvious to the obvious. Uh, but but I think this this is still there was a lot of change that needed to take place in Chicago um, just from leadership to roster turnover, a lot of things that have gone on here the last year and a half. And, and the good news is for the Chicago sky fans is, you know, there, there's a lot to look forward to a lot to be excited about. Um, you've, you've got a team that you know, you're bringing in diamond to shields. You've got Gabby Williams. You, you, you return Stephanie Dolson, who is one of the best, you know, centers in the league. And, and, you know, you've got a really good core there. Um, I think in this preseason, we've seen some team, you know, seen them against some teams and they, they've struggled to score. And I think, you know, they're playing without Sloot and they're playing without DeShields. And so you kind of have to, you know, like we all do take the preseason with a grain of salt, but uh, I think they'll, they'll struggle. They'll struggle early on. Um, kind of, as I was talking earlier, you know, as they're re- rebuilding, similar to the dream, you know, they, they've got the talent in certain areas, but I do think, you know, maybe towards the middle to later part of the season, we might see them click a little bit. Is it going to be enough to, to, for a deep run in the playoffs? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't even know if they'll make the playoffs, in my opinion. I hope they do. Personally, as a fan, I, I love Amber Stocks, but I just think that they're, they are still um, in serious rebuild mode and trying to get everybody on the same page. And, and the key pieces you brought in, are, are pivotal pieces. I mean, that's your, that's your team <laughs> in so many ways. And so it's, it's just, it's going to take time. And I think this year will be better than what last year was, uh, but it's not going to be, you know, anywhere close to contender talk in my opinion. I'm curious, both your guys' takes on this. Um, last year we did, as, as we spoke about, you know, there was a point where they kind of kind, you know, got in the swing of things, found their stride a little bit. They stumbled towards the end of the season, but like Eli mentioned, they were in playoff contention for a portion of the season. Um, do you see this kind of not, I don't want to say a reset, 
but kind of taking two steps back from where they finished last year? Or do you think that they're able to? Because, you know, there's a lot of movement in the roster. Amber Stocks is a second-year coach who's finally now getting to have her for real stamp on the roster. Do you think that, you know, they're starting behind where they were last year? Or do you think they can keep moving from that, that momentum they had? I guess Eli first, then uh, then back to you, Rachel. I think they're actually. I think they're starting back a little bit, and and I think I agree with. I think Rachel's like her summary was perfect. I think they're taking a step back, but but with more ceiling to take a step forward in the future. I think. Look, they lost Jessica Breland and Cappy Pondexter, and I mean those are veteran players that produce. I mean Cappy still put the ball in the basket, and Breland was probably their best defensive big. So. You know, I think this could be a year where their record is actually a little bit worse than last year, but the, but the culture and the way they play is better. Is that does that does that make sense in a weird way? Yeah, absolutely, it does to me. Like, I think they're going to take a lot of lumps this year because at the end of the day, that like as Rachel said, their their team, the core of this team, is now pretty much three rookies: um, Dolson, Vandersloot, and Quigley. But as far as the players that we believe are really going to be able to like create off the dribble, like to Shields or bring that element inside, like Coates, I mean, they're rookies. So I think the record might actually be a little bit worse than last year. But I think this is a season of kind of solidifying a style of play, solidifying a culture that Amber Stocks wants to bring. And um, so I think I know Sky fans might not want to hear it, but I would be more focused on the way they're playing this year and the team chemistry and the body language than what the standing says. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think. Oh, sorry, Rachel. I wanted your take on this. Oh no, you're good. I, I think the word that you you just nailed it on the head was culture, um, and I agree with your analysis 100 uh, percent because although it might be a step back, it's the steps that this organization had to take in order to get where they want to go um, under Amber Stocks. And, and she, last year, in, in some ways, you kind of have to look at it as a wash because it was just kind of what, what it was. This year now, there's been able, she's been able to make some really aggressive moves. It's probably some really controversial moves, um, and, and especially when it comes to the draft and certain picks that were taken. But she's, she's able to kind of make it her own and build the team from the ground up that she's wanting to do and, and create that culture. So this year is the culture year. Last year wasn't the culture year. This year's the culture year. So it's going to take time. I do. I think there's going to be a lot of frustrating moments, um, but I think you're going to see flashes of where this thing is going. There's no doubt there's talent, but you're doing it with, you know, young players, young players who are all being thrown together at once, and it's going to take some time. I have one. Oh, shoot. I had one question that I just was dying to ask. Let me. Can I ask it? Yeah, we'll go into extra time for this. Well, my, my thing is, just quickly, how do Coates – it's just been killing me for months. I'm trying to envision Coates and Dolson coexisting um, defensively. I understand offensively Dolson's ability to shoot would allow Coates to play inside, but I just – I can't visualize it defensively, and I was just curious uh, your guys' thoughts on that. Like, how do those players coexist? I, I don't think they do together, at least at this time. I think it's more of a backup type of position, especially with where Coates is at in her career and um, some certain conversations that, you know, I, I definitely was fortunate enough to have. Um, you know, she's a rookie. She's a rookie post player. And I think Amber 
stocks. Um, I wrote it in an article uh, that I wrote a few weeks ago, talked about Elena Coates, you know, she's a rookie. Um, she, she's doing a lot of good things, but at the same time, you know, she's getting banged up and beat up every single day in there, you know, kind of by, by a lot of the veterans and it's going to take her some time to come along. So I, I think you got to look at it as kind of a a backup type of situation. I, I don't, I don't foresee them necessarily playing in there together at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't put it any better. Um, I, you know, I, in my own questions, when, when Amber got into, uh, got into that position, you know, taking over the head coaching job, just as far as the roster that she had for the style of play that was kind of obvious and that we were hearing her say that she wanted to play. Um, and I don't necessarily, and I, I like I scratched my head a few times, I think similarly with this, unless you are going to be using one as a starter, one as a bench player. Um, other than that, I, I, I just don't see them. I don't know. We'll get run over. Or, All I right, guess, let's, let's move on around. to the Western Conference. Um, it sounds like to summarize the East, um, obviously all our opinions were different, but um, it sounds like we all feel Connecticut, Washington, and Atlanta will likely make the playoffs. It sounds like we're torn on New York. It sounds like um, that's a team that could go either way, and it sounds like Chicago and Indiana are rebuilding. They're at different stages of the rebuild, but probably we're in agreement or likely not to make the playoffs um, unless anyone disagrees. I think we're, we're similar on similar pages there, right? In my book. Yes. For me, the, the biggest thing I would maybe not disagree, but mention would just be, I think Atlanta dream and the Liberty are a complete coin flip at this point. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's fair too, right? You know, who knows, maybe the Liberty get in and over the dream. Um, that's a good point. It's a lot of change there. This has been the WNBA Insider Show. I'm Arya Schwartz, along with Eli Horowitz and our best guest, Rachel. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W using X's and O's, along with key stats to bring honest and critical analysis 